Hello and welcome to the Spiritualized Podcast. This is your host, Jess Fenton, and we're doing a little bit of a spiritual business series here because I had been speaking to a number of people and the same things have been coming up in relation to their spiritual businesses or business that has a spiritual component to it or um, generally moving through the spiritual awakening and having a business. So Yesterday, we, or in part one, it was really around, are you in the right space? We were talking about often people think they're in one space, that this is their business, but they're actually in another space. For example, a very obvious one might be that you teach um, hypnosis or healing or something like that, but you find yourself in marketing and you are effectively teaching marketing, which is fine if you have a passion for marketing and that's what you love to do. Uh, But some people find that they really don't like that, but they've found themselves in it. So we have to really distinguish whether you're in the right space and get yourself onto the right space. And that was all in part one. Uh, That got a lot of great feedback in terms of um, really helping shift awareness, shift something within, also to understand the path of what's happening with social media, for example, and why you might not feel like that's the right platform for you. So if you love to go deep, then it's difficult to do that on some of the social media platforms. And so when you're doing short form content, it might feel uh, not right for you. So dive into that part one. But today we dive into part two, which is really around the selling Um, This is where you're going to feel that uh, ick factor. It's just, I just don't like this feeling. And yet so many people say, don't worry about it. You should just get used to it. Uh, You you know, just get get to love it. But this is where we have to really trust uh, intuition. That if there's this resistance, it's the wrong way. It doesn't matter how many people tell you in how many different ways, there's something that doesn't feel right. And that causes a lot of resentment, which then takes you into a place of uh, transaction. It's almost a feeling of, well, I've put this effort in. Uh, I don't really like doing this aspect of it. And so I want payback. I want whoever's in the audience to start paying me back and because I'm giving something that doesn't feel good. So we're going to dive into how to work with a sense of no transaction and dive really deep into what that means. Because in the space of no transaction, there is still a transaction. There is always giving and receiving because we need each other to give and receive from each other. We need each other to survive. We need each other um, just to, yeah, just to share. That's what we're, you know, we're all connecting with each other. So with that, we want to dive into how to work with a sense 
of no transaction, and yet there still be a transaction. And this is how we get back into the Garden of Eden. This is how we unlock everything. So there's never any of that traditional uh, selling. Or there can still be that form of uh, this is the offer. Uh, so that's fine, but there's this uh, this deeper energetic I want to go into, which I think will help clear up so much for a lot of people. Okay, and last thing I wanted to speak about in this uh, episode is around the personal brand. And the personal brand's more of a modern term uh, for honoring your work. So again, that that those words might be triggering, you know, personal brand. It feels salesy. It feels um, it doesn't feel spiritual. Uh, it doesn't feel authentic. So those are the modern words, but the the deeper words are an honouring of your work, and that's really important to understand what's happening here. So that your work isn't just getting lost into the the ocean of information out there, that it has a presence, it has a honour, and your your work is given, um, it comes, when your work goes out there, it is attributed back to you. Uh, we will also, <clears throat> excuse me, we will also go into the spiritual aspect of that, uh, and through this whole episode two, We'll dive deep into the spiritual aspect of all of this, deep into the frequencies and diving deeper and deeper and deeper into consciousness. So we start with this um, this notion of selling. Now, what happens in the spiritual awakening is there's a, a shift into sovereignty. And so as we move into sovereignty, You'll find that often if you work for somebody or if you work in the corporate field or you have a job, there might be this this desire to move out of it. Um, there's suddenly a magnetic repulsion to it, even though you might have liked the, the work, you might have liked the people, you might have liked the job, you might have liked the career, you might have liked everything about it, but there's something that just is pulling you away from it or pushing you away from it and so part of that is sometimes the spiritual awakening in that you're being asked to move into your own sovereignty that you can exist on this planet as a sovereign being and not need anything from anybody so of course you might be in um, a place of work where you're working for somebody, but it's what you're meant to do. You know in your heart that that has a sense of sovereignty in it, and it that's that's you. But there's a lot of people who are in that space who don't particularly want to be in that space. They'd rather, if they had the choice, and they, there's no survival needs of having to pay bills or um whatever it is, that they'd rather do this other thing, or they'd rather manage their own time, or they'd rather um, not have anyone to answer to. So there's this 
it's not that everybody in the spiritual awakening needs to be doing their own thing. It's just what feels good in your own heart. So in this, in, excuse me, in this little uh, series, it is more geared towards those who are wanting their own space and to go on their own journey. Um, and potentially can be used also for those who are in uh, a career or in a job um, and on that path too. So what happens is we are naturally pulled away from uh, work and we move into this place of sovereignty. If we go to a deeper layer, a lot of what people on the spiritual path want is to just be themselves and actually not even have a business, not have a sense of work, almost like a retirement or a, having a trust fund of, oh, I can just be who I want. I can just do what I want. Uh, so there is that aspect as well. And that feeds into it, that feeds into it, um, that if that's what your soul's journey is, that you get to have that experience. If I look at what I'm doing for myself, that's part of uh, that's part of an, an intention is to just be myself, talk, share whatever's coming through my heart, and that's it. And there's nothing more than to do that and to have conversations with others and to just be a part of that spiritual community of sharing through conversation. Each person's going to want something different. Uh, but for my path, I'm like, that's all very simple, that there's nothing else to it. Now, there's another part of me which loves um, producing things to create things. So at the same time, I'm like, oh, I, I want this spiritualized brand or I want something that has this structure. I want something that in eventually uh, feels aesthetically beautiful. Uh, don't look at things now. Um, I've just put it all together just to get everyone going on into this uh, place of uh, working in this way, in the place of very, uh, authenticity, manifesting from this place. But in my mind, I have something so exquisite, exquisitely beautiful uh, planned uh, that I'm working towards. So and that's another aspect for me. I also want to have this um, home a home for myself, a home for others, rather than it's just me out there in the world, almost like a traveling type with no home base. I feel that home base is important to me. Other people won't need that. They'll be like, no, I just want to be out there metaphorically traveling and not having that, that space and base and structure. So we each get to choose our own journey. And within that, there's going to be this need to offer something or be of service in some way. And ultimately, that service would be from a place of 
not needing anything back, not needing any money, not needing any resources, not needing any support, not needing attention or validation, just absolutely needing nothing. And that is the that's the most truthful place you can get to because you're you that's the 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 heart of authenticity when you don't need a single thing from anybody you're finally moving into a place of authenticity and so then the, the logical mind is like oh you know that's not possible uh, how would that work and it starts to fight it but as we gently move for those who are moving into this uh, non-transactional path um which I want to go a bit deeper. So if you're like, no, I don't want to be in that path. I want uh, sort of premium prices or I want to work in a different way. Uh, Stay tuned because this also relates to you. But the path of non-transaction where no money is ever charged, you will be taken care of. It will be people wanting to give you money, people wanting to work with you, and they will be offering, going, I want to do this, and this is how much I want to give you, or I just want to give you this. That's come up a number of times with uh, the work that I do. People are just like, I just have this this feeling that I just want to give money to you. I want to give something to you. So as we move a little bit, uh, you know, get a bit braver, have more courage to move into that space, then we are provided for in a much more gracious way, a much bigger way. Uh, That's where we unlock that uh, faucet of prosperity. Uh, That's where all of the resources and support and abundances, and it just comes without any effort. And so I think a lot of us are moving to this place and it will take a little bit of time. You can just jump in and see what happens. Um, That's one way. For me, I'm baby-stepping it. Um, But let's talk about for the people who are like, well, I I want to uh, only work with a very small number of people. You know, I have clients that their way of working requires that they only work with uh, a handful of people. Uh, so in that respect, it's a little bit uh, different for them in that they do charge very high prices in order to feel supported because they can't go into mass, mass, the masses. Uh, it's very specific. So for those clients, they might be charging 25 to 50 to 100,000 per client, and then they feel that 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 really uh, satisfies their what they need to live comfortably, and then they have um, d- a different offering, usually free for everybody else, uh, so that everybody else gets to experience their work as well uh, for no cost. So, with um, the sense of non-transaction, so what I've what I've just shown you is uh, why we might be doing it. I want to go deeper into how, well, let's, actually, let's go into why that ick factor is there. So, first of all, from the Gene Keys, there's this one statement 
which has always really stuck with me, and I use it quite a lot, is that um, we're in this marketplace. Uh, well, that's my uh, my vision of it. Um, so we're in this marketplace. Think of like uh, Marrakesh. We've all got our stalls out, and we're all selling a piece of our truth. And so that that little bit comes from the gene keys that we're here to sell a piece of the, our truth. And when I go back into thinking what that means. To me, that means that we're ultimately in separation. And so as a community, as a humanity, we are guided by each other going, well, what's the other piece? Do you have this other piece? And so we're looking for slices of truth in each other. And so we've all got our stalls set up. Um, and some people are, you know, they've got their their store really beautiful and they've got a prime position and that's their home base. They've got a big community in their stall and they're selling their slice of truth. Someone else might not have a stall. They just move through the market and they just share their pieces of truth. Someone else might just have their own little store in the back, you know, maybe a little bit more introverted, like, oh, I just want to be here by myself. And if someone comes by, um, you know, here's my slice of truth. So we're all working in different ways with different amounts of people. Sometimes uh, we want, to, some people want to work in a more solitary way. Some other people want to have a much bigger uh, community. But still, at the heart of it, we have some truth that we want to pass to others. And in return, um, we receive something back. And because we live in this uh, economy and this way of working, it's often money. So with that, um, when we come into uh, unity consciousness, into a full wholeness, which we can either do through the spiritual path, uh, we can do through the psychological path of individuation, we can do through uh, certain experiences that happen to us. Maybe it's going through um, meditation into the void can sometimes bring us into that state of unity consciousness. There might be a kundalini awakening where you just um, it just happens, uh, <clears throat> all different ways to do it. But when we come into that space of wholeness, uh, some people have experienced it. <clears throat> Excuse me, I haven't got any water here. We uh, have experienced it for moments. Sometimes we've experienced for uh, prolonged periods and other people are in that space. And so that's going to be very much in that enlightened space. But until we reach that pure enlightenment, we are looking for truth in others. But we uh, here in spiritualized, we're aiming to move more and more <clears throat> into the space of wholeness and authenticity so that we feel that truth within us that we can feel our own intuition and we feel we feel the truth, we experience the truth, we get the downloads of our own truth. This is when we go into the, um, often the dark night of the soul, is main purpose is to go and uh, deep dive for treasure. 
It's where all epiphanies are. It's where the the universal truths are held in the dark night of the soul. It's deep, deep, deep down. Um, and as I said, it's, I don't believe that this, the dark night of the soul is a depression. It's just a moment of being able to listen deeply because we're so distracted and we're so involved at the surface level, but we need to be taken very deep down into consciousness to hear the universal truths for ourselves. And that's where the epiphany is, in the dark night of the soul. And sometimes we have to be forced down there because it can feel a little bit uncomfortable, especially at first. When you get used to it, it becomes this very beautiful, velvety, luxury space where you get to just listen in silence um, and you might be feeling, um, you know, discomfort in the body, but you can still, it's almost like a place of full surrender, a place where you almost just have to give up whatever's going on the surface level in life, whatever challenges are being presented or whatever's coming up. You're, you're just asked to move away from that surface, come out of the drama, come out of the challenge, and just come down into uh, consciousness, find out what the epiphany is, find out what the secret is, what the higher teaching is, what the truth is. And as you come into that spark of awareness, you realize what's actually happening and you rise back to the surface, back to life and back with this new uh, insight, this new knowledge, this new wisdom um, and this new opening into more authenticity, into more wholeness, into more truth. Um, And so an example of this for myself um, was to, you know, I've, I've been in that deep dive so many times and it's very uncomfortable sometimes one of the times it was really around understanding the frequency of givers and takers this is where all of that um that sort of wisdom around the path of temptation and the path of authenticity was coming of this realization that there were people so you know just almost like all the people close to me in life, I hadn't seen how much they were taking um, because there was just this uh, innocence, this innocence to believe that everyone is good, that no one is taking, um, that everyone wants to to give and share. And uh, it was such a innocence and naivety. Uh, and so there was this, this epiphany of what was really happening and how that was a very uh, childlike, innocent way of living, which is beautiful, but you can then have a lot of energy siphoned um, and a lot of people taking. And as I say, they come in the form of very charming, very um, offering a shared fantasy, offering, offering, um, a lot, which is where the confusion is, because on one hand you're like, oh, they do offer, but the offerings at the surface level is not really um, authentic. It's not really true. It's just a cover up. 
Um, and so, and they might not even, they might be conscious of the cover up. They might not be, I don't know. But as we come in, we start to see how that has an impact on our lives. Um, especially as we come through, um, you know, five years, 10 years, 20 years, you know, we come through a long period, you start to see the effect on your life. So this is all coming into the selling and the, the sort of ick factor and how we come through that. But what's really important is we just keep coming back to um, our own authenticity to understand that those deep dives into the epiphanies are where the truth is. So we each have our truth that we want to share that then helps to um, helps other people to see helps people to um, perhaps avoid certain things, and we each have that. Or it might be, so mine tends to be more of a wisdom, I think. Other people have more of a healing uh, frequency. So they have an ability to under, to be in a certain frequency or understand something that they're able to heal others. And so with that, you, that's what we're, that's what we've got in our marketplace. And so in order to live on this planet, we need money. And so that's where the transaction happens. Uh, We're not really in a space, we're not really set up in a space where we all just give what we've got. And it sort of balances out because how we've moved through evolution is that we want choice. Uh, so some, you know, we might want to go on this specific uh, luxury holiday. As you know, I love uh, just exquisite, beautiful places and holidays and architecture and, um, you know, being having that experience, which that might not be available through someone just giving it. Uh, so that's why, you know, we need to have this exchange of money so that we then have a choice going, well, I'd like to spend it on this rather than, oh, you've got some potatoes to give me. Great. Yeah, I could do some potatoes, but I want I want the potatoes over in that uh, luxury resort. So the money is important. Um, that transaction is important. And the... How we impact people is important. Uh, So if we're just impacting ourselves, it's very different to impacting a handful of people, hundreds of people, a thousand people, millions of people, the planet. And so there is more of a reward for the more people you impact, usually. Um, There's also rewards when there's not. So maybe it could be um, that you want to be a housewife and a mother, and that's that's all you want to do. I just like, I just want to do that. Um, so that what happens is you then marry someone very wealthy, and you're able to experience what it feels like to have all the experiences that money can bring. But whoever you've married, um, they will have the money because they've helped a number of people. So wherever we look at it, however the money comes in, it's because it's come in through helping others, of being of service to others in some way. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we get into 
So we're all in this marketplace. We're all selling our truths. It's fine to have the money. Um, and when we start to see this place of non-transaction, we see that people want to give the money. It's same in a relationship of when we don't need anything from the other person and we just want to coexist with them because we just like being with them and we are just there. Then the other person feels the freedom and they actually want to give. And when we feel the freedom from them, we just want to give. And so the giving and receiving is very organic. It's natural. No one needs it. There's no expectation of it. There's no attachment to it. It's just always a lovely gift. So if you're in a relationship like that, where all giving and receiving, it's just a gift. Uh, you can feel how that opens your heart, that everything is a gift. There's no expectation of, well, I've been doing all of this stuff for you. It's a bit of payback and come on, you need to do a bit more in this relationship. And we see that from the place of overgivers, uh, that overgiving can seem seem like a place of non-transaction of, I just want to give to you. But there comes a point where they are burning out because they are giving from a place of lack. They're giving a place of a hidden expectation. Uh, it's usually from a place of fear of rejection or fear of abandonment that it's like I've got to keep hold of this person because I don't want to be by myself or I'm fearful of losing this specific person. And of course, when we are not, we, when we don't have that fear of, I love coexisting with you, but if you're not here, I'm literally going to be so happy without you here. It's lovely to have you and it's lovely not to have you. So you're able to hold that very high level of consciousness, of acceptance of wherever you are in life, you're, you're at peace. And you feel the graciousness, you feel the smile on your face, you feel complete. And that is a, that is a truth of happiness of there's nothing outside of ourselves, not another person, not anything that really can provide that for us. Now, what can provide that for us is our own, our own connection to our journey in life and what along the path brings us happiness. What are the simple things that, um, that if there's no one around and it was just us, if there was, if there was no one else on the planet, what is it we'd like love to do? You know, if you just woke up and you were in your ideal place, in your ideal environment, um, yeah, there's no one around. What is it that you're going to be doing? You're going to go for a swim. You're going to feel the hot, warm sun on your skin, or maybe you prefer uh, the the rain and the cold, and you're in a cabin, or you're going to be, you know, paint. I oh, want to paint something, or I want to write something. I mean, usually writing is. I don't know. I don't know if writing is very. Always feels like writing is more for other people. If there was no one on this planet, would you write? That's an interesting thing. I feel that you would paint. I feel like painting would be uh, something you could would feel pleasurable without um, needing for anyone to see it. 
there's almost something about writing that you want someone to observe it. I don't know. The writers among you can reach out and tell me. But what are the things that if there's no one else on the planet and you had to keep yourself happy and entertained and busy, what would you do with your time? And so we start to see that's the state of happiness, of those things that have no outcome, no expectation. You don't need anything for it, but just like the the physicality of it. The, so maybe it's dancing. For me, it'd just be, I just want to dance. I just want to move my body. Or I want to splash around in the water. Or I want to lie on the lilo in the pool, just feeling the sun on my skin. Um, you know, those are the things that if there was no one around, I think those are the things that would make me happy. Well, I'd like a dog around, to be honest. Um, but if there are no people, yeah, I mean, that's maybe a good exercise to do. What is the thing? You, you've got whatever space you want on this planet. No one's here for a while. Let's not, let's not say forever. Uh, let's just say for a year, you've just got a space on your own. Um, per- perfection, pick your perfect spot, your perfect home, your perfect environment, your perfect food, whatever it is you need uh, to keep you feeling good. And then just uh, feel what you would be doing somatically with your body when you wake up and say, oh, this is a really good day. Um, And that's probably got a hint of what makes you happy. So with that, um, when we're not seeking anything outside of ourselves, like we're talking about the relationship, uh, that we don't need anything from that person because we are able to thrive in our own uh, autonomy. But we still, in that space, the heart is open. And so we actually really enjoy being with people and enjoy the uh, sharing with them and being in community with them and uh, just experiencing them from a place of freedom. So we're also looking for that um, when there's. Uh, in and our purpose and to really not be needing anything outside of ourselves now of course that's not to say there's no transaction just like in a relationship there's so much giving and receiving but it's not from that place of the overgiver of i actually need you and so i'm going to put you on a pedestal i'm going to overgive to you i'm going to make sure i I'm in that space. So what happens here is you attract the takers. So every time we're in that space of overgiving, people-pleasing, needing something, we come into a place of inauthenticity. And so what starts to happen is that uh, that's very attractive to people who take. Uh, And as I say, it can go unnoticed for a long time, and yet your your life force will be depleted. Your radiance will uh, will not be there. Your glow will not be there. I want to do an episode purely on glow state, not from the glow up of superficial, but the deep spiritual glow uh, that we should all have within us. And if that glow is not there, energy is being siphoned somewhere. And that might be because you're overgiving. It might be because you need something. It might be because there's a lack of authenticity and you're on the path of temptation. 
because you'll find on the path of temptation, the people who are glowing are the people who are taking. And those, if you look at some celebrities where they they love the attention and they happen to have struck gold with the attention. And so they are lit up from the inside and they glow because they're on the path of taking. It's like I'm finding feeding, everyone's feeding the energy to them and they are just loving it. Take that attention away and they suddenly just become decrepit and the glow's gone and they suddenly can't be golden and sparkly or uh, glowy and, um, you know, this aura coming from them. So you notice that if someone is glowing and they're on the path of temptation, they probably are the taker. And yes, they, you know, it's nuanced because they are giving. You can't be a person who just takes and gives nothing back. But it's, it's, uh, it's, it's dressed up. It's, uh, it's, it's an illusion. It's a costume. Uh, because it's not an authentic, I actually don't need this attention. This is just what I want to do. Um, so they feed off the attention. There are going to be people who uh, receive uh, notoriety, receive fame, who actually don't want the attention. There's something about the craft that they like or that they become a speaker or they become someone who actually doesn't want the attention, but what it is they're doing just draws in the attention. And so they keep doing their craft. They keep doing whatever it is that they uh, you know, it's their their gift, <clears throat> excuse me, but it just so happens to bring in a lot of uh, attention. But they're not feeding off of that tension. If that attention wasn't there, they would still glow. They would still be in this aura of, uh, you know, authenticity. So that's the discernment. Have a look for the discern, you know, be discerning. Start to just feel feel should have brought some water with me sorry just feel feel the energy of different people because you can't tell from the surface who's who who's the taker who's the giver um who's in authenticity who isn't uh you've got to feel it a little bit more deeply you've got to be discerning of it uh it was interesting i, I came across this um this little what is it? This little uh, post on Instagram. It's this. Um, it's what's his name? I think it's called like Justin LA Boy or something like this. He's got about six million followers, and he's actually created such a community there. Of it's it's very sort of uh, salacious and um, sexual, but it's, it's so funny, um, that I just love to see the comments of what everyone's saying, cause they get so real in there. Um, and I just love his, the way he, um, just says things, but there was this thing yesterday of saying, uh, I was saying about when people don't really love you, they're just pretending. It's like, why are they pretending? Like, what's in it for them? And all through the comments, the word that came up so much was discernment. How much discernment you need with people, because we seem to be entering into the era of narcissism. And so we have to have the discernment. the discernment and also discernment for ourselves of that we're not 
turning or holding any frequency of narcissism. So um, it's it was so interesting that word kept coming up. Just we have discernment. Don't just give everything away. In fact, don't give anything. That's my, um, you know, what I speak about a lot. Love is not giving. Love is just an emanation. It just is. There's nothing to give. It's just you. You're enough. And so when there's this need to give, then we're like, oh, hang on. Maybe I'm a little bit out of authenticity because I don't need to give anything people, you know, your partner or friends, they're there just because it's you. They don't need anything else. They don't need your wisdom. They don't need your attention. They don't need your money. They don't need your, they don't need anything from you. They just, in their own authenticity, like to coexist in the same space. Um, And so where we get to here is that we you know, this, this, we're back and in, coming into this path of authenticity. So now we come into the selling part of it. When we're having to get our needs met financially, we can come out of our authenticity. We can come out of trust. We can come into a space of I've got to control this. If I don't do something I'm not going to get this. I'm not going to get the money. I'm not going to get this paid. I won't have the life I want. So it might be I won't get my survival needs met or I won't get to experience these beautiful experiences that cost money. Um, so it could be any 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 uh, continuum on that line. There's just this feeling of lack of I won't get this. So then the control starts to come in. And it's like, well, I've got to control this. So now I'm going to have to look outside of myself as to what other people are doing. What are they saying? Who's got experience that can tell me how this works? Which was where we got into the mix-up yesterday, where people are, well, I'm, for example, say you go, okay, I'm a healer, yet you might be influenced and observing someone who says they're also a healer and they've got this big audience and they make a lot of money and they're going to tell you what you need to do. Um, But what they truthfully are is an expert at social media or an expert at business. And the, the healing that they do is not really the thing. It's this other stuff that they're more expert at or is their passion. And so they dedicate a lot of time to their Instagram account or to their business. Seen this a lot in uh, some manifestation coaches or teachers or influencers that are at the, say, 10 million, 20 million and above mark, is that often the manifestation is a veneer, that that's not their true love. Their true love is business. Um, when I've been behind the scenes and know what's happening, I know what they're up to. And so when they go and do things uh, that fills their heart, they're joining business things. They're joining business masterminds. They're joining, they love business. That's their first passion. When they're working through the day, they're not spending all of their time helping people manifest. They're spending 
10, 12, 16 hours a day on business stuff. And so, of course, a business will grow if you're great at business and the product is manifestational or the product is healing. Or They're not really about the product. They love business. So when you're um, out of all, you know, all, as I say, all of us are out of authenticity, otherwise we'd be enlightened. So when we are fragmented, uh, aspects of ourselves are out in the re- external reality there is a natural uh thing to look at what other people are doing and so what happens is you could be looking in the wrong space for the wrong information uh the wrong people and then that's not your space so that was in yesterday's part one um but in this so what happens is those people they will probably be selling in a very different way. It'll be um, potentially they like doing reels, they like doing quick form stuff, uh, and that appeals to a lot of people. So if you're someone who's like, well, I need to go deep, what I do is intangible, it's, it, you can't explain it, it needs to be experienced, then you find that you would need to really either go into into this authenticity of like right let me just feel into what i need to do and it should come or let me find someone who's also in that same space who's doing the same working in the same way and observe from there um what might need to be done so if you're someone who needs to go deep in order to that's what your that's your gift and i would say like I don't want to put a, a judgment on it, but if you have the ability to go super, super deep, that's quite rare. Someone who's on who's a social media expert is not that rare. It's it's a lot of people can do that, but the ability to tune into your intuition, tune into depth, tune into the invisible, is maybe where your gift is. And so in that respect, you have to have a place where you can share in that way. And that will open your heart. So you come start to come into this place. If you can find a way to do that, of just be yourself in whatever capacity that feels good to you in life. Do that. Just be that. And find a place to do it. So obviously everyone listening is going to be doing different things. I can't really point to one way of doing things. I can point to my way, which is to uh, just speak, uh, you know, do these deep dives into these layers of consciousness, figure out what's down there, resurface and go, this is what I discovered. Or having an ability over a number of years uh, to see what's happening or be, be able to see past some illusions. Uh, also just to have a more practical life knowledge of what actually is happening behind the scenes, uh, which is not usually what's at the front. Uh, that's what we're going to be speaking about in the next uh, part of this is the illusion, what actually is happening behind the spiritual scene. And some some crazy things go on behind there. But uh, when there's uh, when you see the front end, it's more of a performance. It's like being a dancer, you know, 
what a ballet dancer, for example, goes through an incredible amount of pain and it's, it's blood, sweat and tears for sure most days. And even on stage, it is painful. It's like, can I make it through this? I don't think I'm going to make it through this piece. And yet you have to show this this ease, this incredible ease and grace and beauty when inside you're suffering deeply. It's like, that's performance. And there's nothing wrong with performance because that's what dance is about. But there's also performance in the spiritual community where there's this grace and beauty and ease put at the front end and there the people behind just dying. Um, it's just like blood, sweat and tears behind the scenes or in the performance. It's like, this is excruciating, but I've got to get through this performance and then I can just go and collapse. Um, you know, some, I remember one performance that I, it was so fast. It was about three minutes. It was just a fast piece of very athletic jumping and partnering. And I, it was just to get to the end of that. I always thought I was going to die. Like, you know, when you have that dry, that chest where you just literally can't breathe and I go off stage and I would think, I'm not going to make it. I'm about to die. And I, you know, I just couldn't breathe. And to, to then have to collect yourself almost immediately and go back on stage and back into grace, back into like, there's nothing wrong with your breath is just like, um, <laughs> just, it was, you know, difficult, but it's got that sense of, you know, you can see this, how you just collapse and go, ah, oh, that's over. So that's happening um, in that next part tomorrow. I'll talk about that. But where we are here is um, coming back into this ick factor, the selling that there never needs to be that. Let me just remind you that you're feeling it, that it doesn't feel good for a specific reason. Um, and trust that and go a different direction. But when we're outside of our own authenticity, we go, well, they're doing it and it's working for them. As I say, they're probably in a different business, even though it looks like they're in a similar business. And so then even more shame, there's shame, guilt. There's like, well, how they, how come they're making it work? Uh, but that's, remember, that's not a truth. Uh, when you're able to just return to what it is you do, and just trust that you just need to do that and find a way to do it. So for me, I just need to find a way to talk and that's it. There's nothing else. And that's what I'm simplifying down to. How can I start getting, getting rid of all of the pieces, everything? So it's just this speaking and conversation with people and nothing else. Uh, and so that's, super super simplicity um and that's ease and that's i mean i don't know you know i'd have to know what everyone's businesses are or what everyone's doing or how everyone's sharing their truth because um you know i might be putting a blanket statement here when it's actually not true for a certain uh different people so um i'm sorry if i'm sort of putting the blanket statement on when actually that's not true for what you do um but i'd need to know what it is so let's just stick with this little area here because we can't cover 
in the infinity of different ways of people's truths and how they work. But it's you come into this place of depth and you just want to you just want to live and be you and nothing else. And with that, there's going to be some people who can be okay with just doing that and not having any structure. But there's going to be other people who want a home base, who want a structure. And actually for their people who are coming in to buy their slice of truth also want structure. They want to know what they're coming into. So in the marketplace in Marrakesh that we're all in, um, in our imagination, there's going to be the stall that is that's the permanent one. It's the one that's just always there. And it's there's going to be people who are like, I like this stall. I know it's always there. I know that wherever I go away, when I come back, it's going to be there. And I like that feeling. I like the certainty. I like that it's the same people. I like it's the same community. I like that it's the same thing that they're selling. I like the certainty. So that's for me on a practical level, there's this membership that I buy that I have literally have never had an intention of using. Um, but I like the certainty. I like that it's always there. I like that it never shifts. The content never changes. Uh, the message never changes. And it's like, I don't know why I get it. I just like having it. So we don't even sometimes need to know what's we don't even need to have it for a reason. It's like, I just, I like it. So that's that stall. It's always there. You're going to have the stall that sort of shifts around. It's like, oh, I want to be in this bit of the market today. It's the temporary stalls that pay a little bit less in the market. They're like, you know, if you go to real markets, you've got the markets, the people who buy their spot, it's permanent, it's a bit more expensive. You've got the people who are temporary, who you can just get a slot for the day and you'll be put wherever. And and then you've got the people who's just going to sell on the street, but they can be in that space of the market where everybody is. So you might be someone who's like, I want to move around and um, I want to speak to different people, different, perhaps sit next to different stalls. Uh, and so Again, that if you relate that to your own business, that gives you some sense of what structure you need. So for me, I want to just have that that home base um, and that that stall. And sometimes this comes from your childhood. So as a child, I moved around a lot. Uh, we lived in uh, South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, New York, London. Uh, that's those are the places I grew up, and where then we went traveling a lot to uh, China, Hong Kong, Seychelles, all around the Caribbean, um, all around Europe. Uh, you know, really around the world for extended periods of time. And my mother just wanted to travel. She didn't want a base. She loved just to move, and that's what made her happy. She didn't want material stuff. We didn't have furniture. We just had cushions on the floor. It was very uh, hippie. Um, it was very Moroccan. She, All of her photos are um, her younger photos of her in Morocco and just living that Moroccan life. Uh, so she didn't want material possessions. She kept her passport with her at all times in case she wanted to travel. We were standing in when I was about 10 
we'd just been to Disney World and we had another 10 days before we had to come home. And she was just like, well, where do you want to go next? And we just stood in the airport and go, right, anywhere. We literally can go anywhere. And that's, that was what, that was what made her heart feel so good. And she says, she said to me, you choose, choose where we go next. And so I just looked at the first flight out and it happened to be to Antigua. So off we went to Antigua. Um, and so she was that person. She just wanted, to, she didn't want the, the stall that was always there. She wanted to go and move around and go on the outskirts of the market and venture off into the desert. Then I became a dancer, which then requires you to uh, move around. You generally don't stay put. It's very uh, movement-based, <laughs> movement-based. You do have to move around. And so while everyone's going into Europe, I trained in London, while everyone's going into Europe and working there and moving different countries, different places, uh, I didn't like that idea. It's like, I just need a home base. I've just been moving for so long that I just want to be in one place. So I did work in London. But ultimately, you needed to move, and I just didn't want to move. And I then got into a relationship, and that relationship became very important to me. So this is where I lost a bit of my authenticity in needing that person and not being willing to just move through my life of like, oh, actually, my true love is dance. Um, and so I can't commit to being with this person or in this space if I want to be a dancer. Um, so I did as much as I could in London and, you know, had a great career there. Um, but it was, of course, a, a guy that I was just like, oh, I've just got to be with you. So why I then come into the space of needing certainty within my own business is because I just want a home base. I just want certainty. And then in my Gene Keys chart, that shows up as what my inner child needs. And she can see that probably all that movement as a child that my mother loved probably wasn't, um, it was creating some uh, trauma in me uh, because I just needed that certainty. I had the certainty of her, but I had, I was often taken away from extended family and. So my only certainty was that she was there and that was it. And that's probably why I moved into a relationship where I needed the certainty of that person being there because I never had certainty anywhere else. So you can look back into your childhood and see how it reflects into your business. You can look at your Gene Keys chart. If you're looking there, um, there's a sphere called, if you look at the, the charty bit, there's a thing called SQ and there's a line and that's your inner child. That's what your inner child needs. It might be belonging. It might need community. For some, it's pleasure. For me, it's certainty, rhythm and routine. Um, so we get to go a little bit deeper into what we need for our own business or our own way of serving. And so I need my corner. And this is where I am. So that's why I also want to, you know, build spiritualized into this beautiful brand that has a home that other people can find their home in it. And maybe you'll do the same things. Like, actually, I don't need the stuff in it. I just want to buy it like I did with the other thing. 
And but because it's just this base, and it feels good that oh, if I need to jump in, if I need to just uh, do something in there, it's there. I know what's in it. I know that I can, it's always there for me, and that's what I want to build, and I am building. So, with that, we—that's that first part of the selling, uh, first understanding what it is you're creating. Where is what does your home feel like? Um, what is it that you want to feel in your business? in terms of the base of it, the home of it, the connection to other people, whether it's a big community, whether it's one-to-one, get get really clear on that because that's going to inform how you uh, effectively sell to other people. Get clear on whether you do love just short form. Maybe you're more of an entertainer. Maybe you're very comedic of like, you know, I just want to do these little skits on Instagram and that that's what like you bring a different truth you bring a truth in a minute and those truths are so important to people like I love those truths I love it when someone can say something in a minute you like, wow that was incredible they're not the people who need to spend an hour talking or going deep they can get it in an instant and go right I can give you this hit of truth so it's we can still be profoundly deep and work with one minute things or profoundly deep and work in this other way. So find your thing and way of working. And once you've got that, we then start to get a sense of how the the selling is going to happen. Um, so we know where we are in the marketplace. Uh, we know that we are receiving money. We're here to receive money. We're not here just to live on thin air. Uh, and that money is when it's given freely, when it's just like, I want to give this to you. So I have actually have more than one membership where that an aspect of it, of it's just, I really like you. And I just actually just want to give this to you uh, because there's no sense of taking. There's always been the sense of service from them of just like, and another thing I've done is where people in the past have really influenced me and help me uh but they're not i've sort of moved past that now i still pay into them if i can if there's a portal open i still give to them because of some part of my journey they were an important part of it so that's an uh, in that i'm trying to show you from the other side where people just want to give to you for no reason and they might want to get something you're giving in the moment but they might just want to give to you for no reason so that's what we're trying to invoke, this this feeling of when people give you something, it's like, oh, they just really want to give it to you. And it doesn't feel like you're having to like battle them, wrestle them to the ground, pin them down in some sort of WrestleMania hold and grab their money and go, give me the money. You know, it's we it's not that it's just given so freely. Um and that's, I know what, if you're listening, you probably want to feel that, that in your body. You want to feel that in your business of you're, you're giving in such a way that's so authentic to you. The people are just like, I just want to give to you. And I know that's what we're all feeling, that that's what we want. And so this is, you know, this is the, the part of the series that I'm, you know, trying to 
see if we can really uncover that so that you can feel how to do that. Um, to recover the marketplace, how you need to be in your environment, what it is we covered in part one yesterday. Are you actually doing what you're meant to do? That you're not, as a, the example, in healing, but you found yourself in marketing, uh, that sort of thing. So make sure you're in the right path. Um, coming into the place of authenticity, checking you're not on that place of, of temptation, which again, we aspects of us will probably be on that path, but try and get yourself over to the path of authenticity as much as possible. Um, from here, we now want to come into this place of, now this is the heart of this episode. This is where we feel what that, opening is the opening into giving and receiving where it feels good for both people and everyone's happy everyone feels like they're winning because of course when people pay us they are okay with paying us and they really want what we have but they feel like they're losing something so it's not it's not that they feel like oh you're taking something from me it's almost like well, I'm losing, this is how much I have in my bank account. And if I really want what you've got, but I will be left with less. And so if I'm left with less, that doesn't feel good to me. So that's what we're trying to get away from, from someone feeling like, oh, now I've got less, even though I want what you've got. Um, so first of all, we see that that is, you know, it's got that sense of that's a different issue because we don't want to get into that because that's more of an abundance uh, issue, but that's very different. But coming from this other place of uh, you've got what it is you're selling, your piece of truth, your healing, your art, whatever it is, and you want someone to come into your space and be so grateful and just like, oh my God, I love this thing, this piece of art or this this way of heat, like what you're doing in this healing thing. Um, someone was speaking to me yesterday about a healing she got from a cranial osteopath. And the way she was describing it is like, I need this person. It sounds amazing. I want to get her on the podcast if she'll do it because this Oh, it just sounded so good. It was just taking her so deep into the somatic uh, healing of something. And I was like, I just need to give this person my money. Like, where is he? <laughs> I want to throw money at him. And so that's the opening. So when you're, when you're ready, so, you know, I've heard from person that this person does this thing and it's something that's like wow I really want that and I want to pay for it um I'm right in that heart of I want it and so when I go to this person or if I go to anyone who's offering something like that in that way I'm meeting them with openness I want what they have in this moment and I want to give to them in exchange uh, give them money so you're looking at that to to in your own business to create that too so as you're being authentic as you're just living and doing your thing in a way that other people can either experience it or um, 
find out about it, then in when they're ready, they will feel they will feel when they're ready. As they feel when they're ready, they will come into and go, I want this and I want to give you this money. And of course you can set the how much. It can be a little amount, it can be a hundred thousand, it can be a million. You that you're in charge of how much you uh, want to uh, charge. Uh, so although I'm talking about non-transaction and the marketplace and all of this, this isn't to bring us all to zero, to where it's like, right, you can't charge anything, you've got to charge the basics. Because what, um, you know, in the space of yoga, you know, I saw this a lot, that there was so much shame around charging that you just had to charge in accordance with other people's mindset. So if the going price when I was teaching Pilates was uh, like £10 for a class or £15 for a class or 40 to 80 to £100 for a one-to-one session, um, that you couldn't do anything outside of what the community was doing because they'd shame you for it. You'd they'd make you feel greedy. Yet maybe you had a different quality to bring. Maybe you wanted to work with a certain sort of person who their value was they want to pay um forty pounds for a class. They don't want to pay ten pounds because that's the value they hold within themselves. Just like if I'm going to buy a dress I don't want to go and buy a £10 dress. I want to go and buy a £1,000 dress. There's going to be someone who, I don't want to buy a £1,000 dress. I like the £10,000 dress. Uh, Food-wise, it's going to be, I don't want to want, I don't want the basic stuff there. I want the gourmet stuff. So we all get to have that freedom of choice and freedom of choice of what we choose uh, to charge because there's always going to be someone who wants to pay at that level and that feels good to them. There's some things like, ah, oh, I like this feeling of paying at this level. So the money aspect, it's not really about um we all have to go to charging the basics. Um but as this is where we're going to talk about honor in a second. Um we're creating this space where the person comes in when they're open when they want what you've got in their own timing. So frequency-wise, we're moving into from impatience, from the shadow of impatience, through into patience, through into timelessness. So if you can just move yourself to impatience, which if we're in authenticity, we're like, I've got to get my needs met. I've got this to pay by this date. I have to be impatient. Now we're going to start looking outside of ourselves. Who's doing it the fastest? Who can tell me the quickest? How can I make money in this minute? That's the impatience, which will keep it away from you. Because as soon as people feel that, they will shift. They won't. Now there's almost a sense of rushing people. And as soon as you feel someone's rushing you, either in relationship or in business or when you're buying something, it's like, oh, hang on, I don't want it. I feel too rushed. Or it's too, you know, it's on someone else's timing. So what happens is as they can come in in this space of time, actually, if you're impatient because there's these needs that need to be met, which are completely understandable, it's it's this feeling like, you know, I do need to pay this. I love all the spiritual stuff. I love being in this space, but 
I've got stuff to pay and I need to be paid by the state. That I know, I understand that completely. Um, but you will keep getting stuck in that place and it'll keep, it's the karma. The karma will keep coming and it will potentially get worse. So you can just go, look, I, I'm going to have to give up and do it this way. Or you can just, if you need to just work in a different way and take actions, your choice. The way I want to describe it at the moment is very spiritual and it's to help stop that karma loop keep coming back of um, the the impatience. So what we're being taught here in our lessons in selling is patience. And if we're impatient because and again, not from our own fault. We're in this very dense reality, which is full of it. It's everyone wants their stuff right now. The landlord or the bank, or they want their money right now. They don't have patience. They're not saying, look, I want to do whatever you want. Everyone's putting pressure on going, I want this thing from you right now or in this time frame. So it's not, you know, this is to understand we're going through uh, we're having to move through this very dense reality of everyone wanting things from us in a certain time frame. So we can see that we want to honor our payments. We want to, when we say we're going to do something, pay something, that we want to do it. And so now we get pushed into impatience and then we push that impatience onto others. And so now the whole world becomes impatient. So we, if we're moving down, so what I'm saying here is I understand. Don't be hard with yourself. Um, it's fine. But if we're getting some spiritual lessons here, the spiritual lesson is impatience. Don't allow other people's impatience to shift your emotional core stability. This is where you've got to get strong at first and go, I know this is needed. I know you want this thing or that person wants this or I need that. But can I just be patient and not allow other people's impatience to affect me? So I put my impatience onto others. So we come into this place of impatience, uh, patience. That's the next level frequency. But if we can get ourselves into timelessness, timelessness is the highest frequency. And when we're in a space of timelessness, a place of authenticity, you'll see the magnetism of everyone just flocks in because it feels good to them. They feel free to choose. They they are feeling your authenticity that you're showing them or you're helping them experience in some way, that it's not a sales page. It's not a you have to do this because of this. It's a show, not tell. So, for example, more, maybe it's here. I, I show you through speaking what I do. So when I'm working with clients or when I'm doing the spiritualized membership, it's about me. Um, you know, this is what I do there. And so I show you here. Um, I try, you know, move, trying to move away from that, you know, buy this thing because this is what I'm doing. Um, as I say, we're still a bit on the path of temptation or a bit on the path of doing things in the old way. We can just take our time, as much time as we need to move on to this other path. But we can slowly baby step it. Um, and so it's coming into the timelessness of you just show what it is you do. 
speak to people, have conversations. It doesn't need to be on the internet. It can be um, in person. There's lots of different ways, but find what feels good to your heart. Find what what brings you in a, into a place of timelessness. And then people coming into your space, feel, they're, well, they're just magnetized in. They're literally, it's a magnet. Truth, timelessness, uh, authenticity, emanation of love, not overgiving. The, these are all truth frequencies that um, hold the magnetism. And so you have to pull in people. You won't be able to stop pulling in the people. They would just come because you're holding magnetic truths. You're not in the shadow of chaos, disorder, confusion, um, the lower denser frequencies, which people feel that's where the ickiness is. When we all, we all feel it, whether we're buying, whether we're selling, when it's the, the low frequencies, like, oh, I don't like it down here. I want to go back up there. So, um, that's, we're getting into this heart of the frequency of selling. As we come into a space of timelessness, trust, your needs will always be met. And if they're not met, it will be temporary. And maybe there'll be just some discomfort. Maybe something, a tower moment will happen where you will have to get uncomfortable for a little bit. But often, another reason why we go into this very 3D way of selling that you have to buy this thing right now is because it's, um, I've lost my train of thought now. It's gone. Uh, so we come into this space of timelessness and come into um, allowing people to come in when they're ready, trusting that they'll come in when they're ready. So if we don't trust, that's when we go into more force, more control. But we just allow through. So another frequency in the gene keys, I think it might be control, strength, majesty. So if we try and control from this shadow state, I've got to control how people, you know, that I've got to make people come into my business or my way of working. I've got to make people give me money. I've got to make someone in the relationship meet my needs. Um, that's the control shadow. You move into strength because it's going to take strength. To be in authenticity, at least initially, takes so much strength. To not be shifted out of your emotional core stability is incredibly difficult. And you need strength. You're going to be pulled onto the path of temptation. That's like some huge magnet just there. And to stay away from that path, you've got to have your own magnetism within you, your own polarity, your own pole that you, that magnet can't pull you in. And that's the strength of your own magnetism. And you've got to strengthen it and keep strengthening it and hold it there so you're not pulled into other people's frequencies that aren't in alignment with your own authenticity. So the strength is needed. When you get that strength, as I say, it's a practice. All of these things I'm saying in the Spiritualized podcast as a whole is to help us all keep holding onto that strength, keep building the strength. So eventually we move into this place of majesty. That's the king and the queen and the, the sage. And it's this place of wisdom of where people now feel 
they feel the strength as a gentleness, that you're just immovable, that you're so strong but gentle. There's, there's that strength has a gentleness to it. You'll even see the likes of, say, Martin Luther King, so strong, so powerful, going against so much shadow, but doing it in a gentle way, uh, doing it in a loving way. So you move into this path of majesty, majesty uh, eventually, and that also invokes uh, everyone just to come in and go I want to be in your space I want to give to you what can I how can I help you how can I work with you or how can I be part of what you're doing there's another part of it where if you have a mission more than a self-interested business that also leads to um, people wanting to come into your mission and go I really believe in what you're saying and I just want to be on this journey with you I want whatever I've so if it was me looking at somebody be I love what you're saying and I want to bring my truth and share it with your truth and move in this mission together because we seem to be going in the same direction so a mission also helps to bring in people in a more authentic way rather than a self-interested, um, well, I just need this thing for myself. That also sparks a lot of um, ick factor selling stuff of when you can feel it's just for someone, it's just for, your, it's just for the, themselves. Um, so that, that creates more of a transaction. Um, so there's that part of it. But let's get into, just finish that little section. If you can be in a space where you're in timelessness, you're in authenticity, and you show what it is you do, just demonstrations, let people experience it. And that's the simplicity. That's all you need to do. Keep it that simple and just allow people to come in when they're ready. Have have the offerings, have ways people can work with you, have different portals open um, and allow people to come when they're ready. Which is going to take trust, it's going to take strength, it's going to take, yeah, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but that's that's how you come out of the ick factor. That's how you decide, oh, that person wants to work with me or, oh, that person uh, wants to do this thing or that thing. It feels so good rather than, you know, that other way. So let's go into this other part, which is honoring your work. And this this is going to speak to the people who um, your message is more global. Uh, so this is in my own journey where I was getting very frustrated in that I know what I'm saying, at least parts of what I'm saying, is for everyone in the world. Not in a, I want to like be a, this world person. I'd rather just do it quietly in a little corner, but I know the message is for everybody. And so when I was working much more, those very high premium prices, it was just with a few people. Um, so I'd say over the course of my, um, this work I've been doing, you know, it's one to one. It's been however many people, I don't know, I don't even know how many it's going to be. We're talking like under, I feel like it's going to be under 100. 
I don't know, but it's going to be around that hundred hundreds with um, the the group stuff. That's going to be more uh, towards the thousands, but not millions, not hundreds of thousands, not millions, not billions. And so that 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 smallness was fine for a time, but every time I was delivering the message, it was almost like it was too big for such a small amount of people. And it was also too much for them because I, I received these downloads that don't stop coming. And so then I'm just like, I just have to tell everyone these downloads and it's too much for one person. It just blows out their system. And so I know from what I'm doing, it has to, that intensity, the what's coming through has to be disseminated much more widely. So maybe like the podcast, I can just, you know, what I've done on the podcast is just like a tip of what comes through. Um, you know, it is just all day long. It's coming through and I could just speak all day on the podcast. Uh, and maybe I should, because you can pick and choose. It's not me going to be like, Oh, you've got, to, you've got to receive all of these downloads. It's too much for one person. You can just go and pick and choose. I'll just listen to this little thing once in a while and you get to, um, you get to monitor how much how much you receive uh, of that, uh, how quickly you receive it, how much integration time you need. Maybe someone who just wants to binge uh, all of the episodes at once. Maybe you're someone who I just want to listen to one thing and maybe in a month when I've reflected and integrated, I'll come listen to something else. So, and someone else might be like, no, I want to all all in the moment because that's how I integrate by just listening and listening or I just want to listen to one episode over and over to integrate. We all have different needs. Um, so understand what your work is like, first of all. Is it more of a one-to-one or is it meant for everybody? So as I say, I, I understood why it was meant for everyone because I kept getting frustrated I kept feeling dissatisfied. So I was satisfied, and this is where the confusion is, because in the teaching or the one-to-one of with people, it, I loved it. And so there was no dissatisfaction there. It was in the, it was just so much I knew that it needed to go out. Same with when I was working in the corporate space. I'm like, this is not my space, but I love the people. The work is good. And so there's these aspects I really enjoyed, which kept me there, kept me way longer than I should have been. And the whole way through, people right from the beginning, they're like, you shouldn't be here. You're overqualified. This is not what you're meant to be doing. And yet I just stayed because I had security. And again, we go into our childhood. I didn't really feel I had that security and dance didn't offer that. So then I was just like, where can I just finally feel secure? And so then I ended up in this space because I didn't feel secure within myself. And so again, when we lose that authenticity, when we're like, I don't feel secure within, so I've got to like go and find something that will help me feel at home and feel secure. And that happened to be an 18-year job um, where it was just, it was the same people, more or less, the same work, the same thing. It gave me a sense of security, which was false. Um, and so when I came through the spiritual awakening, uh, it really shook me. 
uh, because now I no longer had that. And so I had to go through a very dark, a lot of tunnels, a lot of dark nights of the soul, as I had to find that security within. And slowly things started, it started getting more and more, more and more losses. And more and more, I had to just come into myself and know that that's the home, that there's nothing outside of myself. And that was predetermined by the soul, predetermined by the spiritual awakening. That I had no choice in that. It was predetermined by magnetism. That when I saw who were the takers, I was demagnetized instantly. It wasn't like I liked them as people. And, uh, you know, that, I was never around the personality. I suddenly just got demagnetized from them because I saw what was happening. And so from there, then you get even more into, oh, I've got to really come into my home as my heart. And as that happens, you then start to get, come home to yourself, come more into authenticity, uh, come more into your own intuition, your own alignment. So we start to see it's all very holistic. The selling is very holistic. Now what we're talking about is the honor of your work. Is it that you need your message is wider? If it is, you're going to have to have that platform that allows it to spread. Maybe you do have to write a book. So I've given this example before. If you look at someone like Eckhart Tolle, who is, um, you know, when he wrote The Power of Now, he honored his work or someone honored it for him. Um, probably someone, get the feeling someone else did it for him. His work was honored. And now the book is a separate entity. It has its own consciousness. But it's still tight, it's still got his name on. He's still connected with that part of consciousness. And so that book goes around the world. It goes and does its own thing, goes on its own journey. And as it does that, it always feeds back to him. It pulls all of the resources. So the book itself can't hold the resources. So remember, we're in a, we're in a, 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 a universe of giving and receiving. So the book is giving. It's giving to everybody in a very profound way. It's often a book that when you come into your first part of the spiritual awakening, that will often be the entry to it. Um, so it gives at a very profound level. So people have to give back. So where's that money going to go? Where is the, um, the love or the the thanks or the gratitude, where's that going to go? If it's just a book with no name, the book can't hold that energy. So the book has the name of Eckhart on it. So it then feeds back through this uh, spiritual funnel. I just thought about this. You know how you have funnels um, in normal life, in 3D life, you've got to create this and this and this and have your funnel uh, it's what we're talking about here is your spiritual funnel. How do you create your spiritual funnel? So you say, for example, you're going to honor your work and it's the best way to honor it is to have a book. The book's going to at some point become a separate entity from you and it's going to go off and do its own thing. You could be dead. It's still going to be helping people and doing its own thing. So the book cannot hold energy. So that energy is going to funnel through the book in the form, as I say, of money, gratitude, uh, resource, whatever, support. It's going to funnel through, and it's because Eckhart's name is on it, it's going to funnel through back to him. 
And so it should funnel through back to him. And as it funnels through back to him, he then becomes a funnel to put it back into the community as a way of philanthropy. So we start to see the movement of money and how your piece of work is a, has a place in the community as a spiritual funnel. And as that happens, you're honoring your work. You become, you have a place in the funnel, the spiritual funnel. I love that. I don't think I've ever heard that before, but that's going to be a new thing for me. The spiritual funnel, that's what we're wanting. So you've got to honor your work because that's how you get the, the resources come back into you. You're the one that came up with it. You're the one that channeled through. You're the one that um, went through the pain and suffering to get that wisdom. You should receive some reward for it. You know, a lot of us in the spiritual space have been through incredible suffering in order to bring the wisdom, suffering that other people refuse to go through and yet they get the the benefit of it. So your suffering needs needs some reward. It's not just you know we're not there just to be sacrificial. Um, you know we're just there to go into the suffering so everyone can have a great life because of the wisdom we bring through it. No, we're meant to be rewarded for that, but we have to get the the spiritual funnel working properly. So what happens here is that that money comes back through to you because you have found a way to put your name onto something and that's the personal brand or that's the brand that's the 3d wording that people don't like often doesn't feel spiritual it feels salesy but that's just the modern term of the spiritual funnel um that's just to make sure that people know where to channel the money back to because what i've noticed is there's been i'll go i'll get I'll see something on the internet. It's some random blog and I will get such a profound shift from it. It might even be someone answering a question on Quora. It was someone question it was someone there that took me into some of the deepest places. It's like, wow. Um, you know, some question that was answered. I just needed that right in the moment. So this is where we get a little bit spiritual because ultimately it on one level that's it doesn't matter who delivers the message i still got the benefit from it whoever was on the other end i'll never know it was just words on a blog with no name maybe the per person was there but i didn't take any notice and then you forget the blog you forget it but you keep the wisdom now that person didn't get anything for it it just it was just went all their work went un, unnoticed or all their work there was no appreciate and no appreciation back to them no money back to them nothing back to them it was almost just this take it was just taken um and people were getting you know profound things from it so that's someone who hasn't seen that they need to honor their work but there's a paradox here or a nuance that that's almost the purest state of consciousness, the purest state of spirituality. And so you don't need any recognition. You don't need any money because it'll come from a different way. Uh, everything will eventually balance itself out and 
I'll be fine. I don't need my name on anything. I don't need to be given any gratitude. I don't need to be given any appreciation or attention. That's probably the ultimate, you know, spiritual space is that you're just a drop in the ocean and it really doesn't matter about your drop. You contributed, you did your job, and now you can just become the ocean again. So we have that more, I'd say this probably very advanced way of um, being spiritual in business. If you actually don't even need to honor your work, you are just honored through being you and living. And that's it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be very invisible. And there is a frequency of, of, of invisibility where you are doing so much profound things for the planet and yet no one will ever know. And you don't need anyone to know. Uh, so that's that way. I feel like we're not. I feel like we're not there yet. So let's let's drop that. We'll come into the space of having your work honoured. Um, so find a way for your work to be honoured in a more three D wording. That's a brand. It's a spiritual. It's a personal brand. It's just a way for people to know that when they've uh, understood something from you, understood a concept from you, or a way that you have put things together. Um, that that uh, is, people know that it's you. So that also means that they can come back for more. That they can they can see that you're uh, stable in that space. And when they need you, they know where to find you. Like Eckhart, if you need to if you need a bit of a a hit of presence, if he, if that book had never had his name on and you'd forgotten by the book, you wouldn't be able to go back to him and go, hang on, I've come out of presence, let me just go and get a bit of his frequency and train back into presence and, and train back into what he's saying that I feel is a truth. Uh, you get the orientation back. So you, he's orientated himself. Uh, and so now everyone can come back when they need him. So think about that for yourself. Are you orientated and honoring your work that people can find you again? And go, actually, that path, if I look at me, that the understanding of the path of authenticity versus the path of temptation or the um, the, co the cottage thing, which <clears throat> I know a lot of people resonate with. Of, yeah, I'm going to move into this cottage. I'm moving out of here, moving off the path of temptation, out of that glitzy mansion that was full of um, illusion and uh, that stuff, and I'm going to come into my cozy cottage where everything's provided, and I'm just safe, and it's an amazing space. So there's a lot of these analogies that I've put together in my own way, which if I just stay grounded in the space, not moving around, you know where to come back to when you like. Actually, I feel like I'm back in the path of all the temptation. I know where I can get that frequency to come back to authenticity. And hopefully as I stay on this path and practice and get stronger in authenticity, that that gets felt at a deeper level by people. So um, it starts to really magnetize more and more people into, oh, that's a, that's a space of authenticity. I need a bit of that. Um just like I'll, if I need a bit of presence, I can go to Eckhart and go, okay, let me just listen to this for a while, come back into my center. I came a bit out of it. Um, yeah, and for your own work, can you create that space 
and just be there. If you're if you're one of the ones who are creating your home base somewhere, of course you're going to be one. You might be the one who's traveling about, and you don't want the home base. That's fine. So that's the honoring of your work, creating structure around your work. That's also the masculine. If you're individuating, the masculine within you likes structure. He likes focus. He likes um, intention. He likes to create and he likes to hunt. He likes to go and do things and bring it back to the, the home base and go, look what I got to your inner feminine. I went and got all of the structure for you and I'm going to build it for you. And of course, that's you, uh, you doing it. Or of course, you can pay someone else to do it if it's not your gift. It's not that you have to do uh, building of the structure, but somehow the structure gets built. It's the inner masculine within you that goes, we need structure. Um, it's the inner masculine that has certainty of this is our direction. Um, and it's the feminine that can now relax and go, oh, yes, I've got some structure I've got certainty now I can just be feminine and do say what I want to say. Everything's set up. Um, I can, in my feminine being, I can just go on holiday for extended periods and it all works. Or for those who are in the space of wanting a family or baby, I can just go on a three-year sabbatical and look after my new baby and the structure of the business keeps going, that it still works without me. That's another thing you can contemplate, which in the 3D aspect of terminology, you have an exit strategy. You have a way that the business is set up, that it doesn't need you. It's nice to have you. You're the face of it. And if you're there, all the better. But if you need to have time off, extended time time off it works without you if you need to sell it it's saleable it um in the realms of a lot of money um and so that's more of that you know future the masculine within you will look to the future and go well let's set it up in this way so that if we ever need to want to do something else if the feminine is like i want to do this other thing i don't want to sit with this thing forever then you've set it up in a way where you've honored it enough that someone will pay you a lot of money for it that it's set up in a way that it doesn't need you so in the end it can go and have its own life and you can go and have your own life, but still it might have your name on it. So say you've got like the Tracy Anderson method. Um, if you're familiar with her brand, she it's got her name all over it. It's her thing. It's so much about her, but it has been set up in a way that she can leave it and it will still have impact. It'll still grow like Pilates. Pilates is by Joseph Pilates. And so, you know, years later, decades later, we still refer to as Pilates. And so it can still be honored back to his work. You can still go, okay, that's the lineage. I can go back to what he was actually writing. What books was he writing uh, to talk about this? And actually, he was talking in a very spiritual, profound way. Uh, Pilates has become very much an exercise, but it's Pilates is very philosophical. Um, so it's that honor that you can still have your name on it, can still all be about you in this moment, but have you set it up and it can still keep your name? Uh, Power of Now will always have Eckhart's name on. Um, someone could buy the rights, the publishing rights to the book, 
uh, I think that's how it works. Maybe you could sell that. The publisher probably has it. They probably can sell it on to another publisher and all of that money goes to that publisher or that person. Same as the record industry. You buy, you know, the backlog and now you're going to get all of the money. So with that, can you create something that in time the the it gets fed through and you yeah, gets through through to that, then that becomes very valuable. As I say, the masculine within you will protect you and he will go, let's look a little bit into the future and let's set this up so we have an exit plan if we need it. And you might never need it. You might never want it. But you might want it. You might want it very soon. Have an exit plan so some the body of work you've done has a value. It has uh, energy in it, and now you're what you're doing is you're giving it its own consciousness. So now it can go off into the world and do its own thing. It doesn't need you. So, like with the Tracy Anderson uh, brand, I don't need her. I can just buy the membership, and I can. It just doesn't. You know, she might never be in it again. Maybe it's just the exercises, this particular type of exercise. So you start to see how important that is, that what you're creating, you're creating a baby that has its own consciousness that's separate from you. Again, don't get codependent with your with your business um, or your way of your purpose. Uh, you can see you ultimately... Yeah, of course. Yeah, okay, there are different ways. It can just be you, and it's just you, almost like um, the guru or the sage. Who it's, it's always about you. There is no brand. Wherever you go, it's about you. You're sharing wisdom. There is nothing else but you and your wisdom. I feel like this is like a monk who goes around just speaking and helping people. But if you're more in that. Uh, space we are now it might be that you want to have something that has value in it that is you're not codependent um that it has its own con that it doesn't need you that it can go and do its own thing so as i say it might also be that you're the frequency that you're the healer, that it needs to be you and your frequencies in particular, and you can still always hold on to that. But if you're creating something else, um, can that also have its own consciousness uh, where you're not codependent on it, um, that it can go in, out into the environment without you, and it can just pull back, funnel the spiritual, the spiritual funnel. It'll just pull back everything you need financially, uh, I don't know, gratitude, uh, uh, what else, resources, support, whatever it is uh, that it is you want. Uh, okay, so that's honor. I This is a deep dive. I, this was meant to be just like a short thing, but I think it's been, you know, an hour and 45 minutes. If you stayed for this long, just know that we really, this, we, I feel like we went as deep as we really needed to go in order for everything to um, to sit into the body, to integrate, to feel good, and for it just to start to happen. Um, but it's, there's a lot to contemplate. As I say with this, it's not. I don't really work from a logical place of you've got to go and write things down and figure it out. Just receive it and then get on with your life. 
just go and do whatever you want, have some fun, um, and whatever you need will stay with you. It'll stay in your heart. It'll stay, it'll keep coming back to you and then drop everything else. Uh, it's not, it's done much more in a Socratic way of, um, of giving, of just let your body receive whatever it needs. The logical mind just does not need to get involved and your body will just move, go, oh, actually, I think I do need to do this or that. And they'll be much more organic to you of what you need rather than me going, right, you need to do this, this and this, which is, again, separation where someone needs to tell you what to do. So all I'm doing here is giving you some frequencies, helping with a bit of shared wisdom, um, helping you see what I've seen over the years, what I see in the background, what I see in the dark nights of the soul, in the epiphanies, in my own journey, and sharing that. And then you just take whatever you need. You know, I'm not. There's no uh, structure of like, right, you got to do this and this, and you will then come into your own authenticity of what it is you need. You already know what it is, and then you can just go, okay. I can just go and do that now. So take care. See you tomorrow for the third part, which is uh, the illusion. We're going to go back, back behind the scenes. We're going backstage. And you'll see what the, metaphorically speaking, the pain, the blood, sweat, and tears that go on with a dancer. Um, obviously not speaking about dance, but through the spiritual business. Um, but it's the same thing. What really goes back? What's the dancer really thinking when she's in incredible pain? Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see the smoke and shadows. We'll see the illusion. We'll see the tricksters and we'll see the authenticity and all the beautiful things as well. Take care.